How's it going? It is a privilege to be here, a privilege to speak to you guys and with you guys. Uh, this is the third time out of the past four years that I got to get to speak uh, on December 31st, the last message of the year coming into the new year. 2017. How was the year for you guys. Some good things, I'm sure. Some difficult things, I'm sure. I think we've talked about this as a staff. This was a really difficult year for us. Uh, there was some transitions. There was um, the loss of Angie, which was so difficult. Uh, and then Lee, and I think we're still mourning and recovering and, and processing that uh, as a team and as a family. And one of the neat things that I, that I'm, I remind myself when I, when I start to think about that is that their lives are an example to us. And though they're not with us now, they're part of the cloud of witnesses they, they poured out their life. This year's main, or this, today's main verse is 2 Timothy 4, 6, which is when Paul says, for I am already pouring out like a drink offering. I'm already being poured out. And thinking about how their lives were poured out, and now they are cheering us on. They are saying, you guys, you can do this. Not in your own strength, but by the grace of God. And God is pouring out and has poured out. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. We know, we know that that is Paul speaking to Timothy because Paul really senses he's coming to the end of his life and he's trying to encourage Timothy. But for today, as, as I read that and as we read that and think about that, I want the context of how we are looking at this is that, that that's what God is saying to us individually and as a church. That God is already pouring himself out as a drink offering, as something we, as someone and something we can come to and, and drink from, that living water that gives us eternal life, that quenches the deepest, deepest, deepest desire and deepest thirst in our soul. And all of us know nothing else quenches that. Because we've all tried other things. And it just doesn't do it. So this morning, I, I want to kind of dissect uh, a, a personal word that I felt like the Lord gave to me uh, several months ago. And I didn't know exactly what I was going to be speaking on. I've known for several months that I would be speaking today, but I didn't, I didn't know exactly until about maybe three weeks ago. And I was just kind of flipping through different notes that I'd written, and, and I came across this, and I, I was just like, wow, this, this is good. Let's, I think this is what the Lord wants to talk about. So I just want to read you this word. 
I've poured out a portion of my presence, a portion of the double portion or anointing that I want to pour out. What will you do with what I've poured out? I am testing you. What will you do? Now, I believe this is a word for individually for us. What, what are we going to do with the things that God has poured out? We all, for those of us that have been around, we know that in our foundation is that we are supposed to be contending for more of his presence. And that we're, we're actually supposed to ask the Lord for a double portion. But I felt like the Lord saying, well, I've already poured out a portion of that. It's just a portion of the double portion I want to pour out. But what are you going to do with that? It's kind of of like a father training and teaching his son or daughter how how to, to grow up and mature. You give them little steps, and you give them little pieces of wisdom, And then you eagerly wait and watch and encourage them to see what they're going to do, if they're ready to go on or if they need a little more time and a little more instruction. Let's pray. Father, it is clear that you have poured out over these past seven years You have taught us many things. You have given us many nuggets. But what you've poured out is just a portion of what you actually want to pour out, of why you actually brought these churches together. That we are at the beginning of what you want to do. God, would you help us by your grace? Would you speak this morning? fan our hearts into flame that we would continue to contend for more but that before we start asking for more that we would be good stewards of what you have given us of what you have taught us in the spirit and how we live that out and then show us reveal what that double portion looks like what that will be as we walk with you Lord, would you speak this morning that all my passion, all my excitement, all my energy behind this takes second seat to your passion and your word for us. Amen. So point one, God has poured out a portion. And as I said, the the reason the churches came together was contending for more of his presence. That this would be a place for his presence where he could pour out. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be um, an events-driven church. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We wouldn't be about uh, raising our, our name and elevating our name in the city, which there are bad things about that, and we're not going to go there. But this would be a, be a place where a people could come together pursuing God for his name's sake that he would pour out and and just do amazing, beautiful things. Purifying hearts, transforming lives, healing the sick, delivering from demonic oppression, 
bringing in the lost. I don't know, I don't know what your thoughts, but this past year, to me, the level has just gone up with our worship. The, the passion, the level of intimacy, just, just the beauty in his presence. And for those of you that have gone to the third service, that is my favorite service. We, I mean, afterward, we have half hour, 45 minutes. We are just worshiping, and people are waiting on God, and, and he's moving and, and encouraging hearts and, and speaking to people and healing them. And, and we're just here waiting on him, worshiping him with no agenda other than to just be with him. It's so unrushed and it's so beautiful. It's, it's become my favorite service and time of the week or one of the favorite moments of the week. And I just, I just think we should honor Pastor Nathan for a second. I mean, he came in fresh and just in this past year, his heart, his heart was about the one thing, pursuing God in his presence, not, not trying to make some event or some worship team thing. He just, he just wanted us to worship. And he's training this team to worship freely. He's releasing them and encouraging them to, to just worship with their hearts. So thank you, Pastor Nathan. The second thing that he's, he's been pouring out and, and will continue pouring out is our identity. Man, if we don't know who we are, we, we don't have a leg to stand on. He's pouring out identity. He's pouring it out. And, it, and when he does it, it just destroys all our false identities, all our masks, all our performing, all our pretenses. And we're, we're adopted sons and daughters. If we're honest, we're all just a bunch of misfits that have stumbled into this family and lost, broken, and messed up. And now we're kings and queens, priests and priestesses. I mean, that takes some time to really understand and to really start to live out, right? Oh yeah, I'm a king. I'm a priest. But it takes time to get to here where our thoughts and our behaviors and our actions and our attitudes start to be transformed and then start to produce good fruit and start to be lived out. That's, a, that's the journey. And that's the journey we can't be afraid of. It's, it's painful at times because we have to die. We have to die to our pride. We have to die to our selfish motives and ambitions and desires. And we don't like pain, especially American culture. <laughs> we've, we've heard the message of putting on the new clothes and, and Tom's sweaters that Alice had to help him find those. <laughs> but that's, that's what we're called to, the new life, the new man. We are been born again. You see, if we can get to the root that this is all grace, then we can start to understand our identity. I don't
don't have to do anything to make my father love me. It pleases him when I'm obedient, yes. But that has nothing to do with how much he loves me, how much he desires me. I, I don't think we understand how jealous he is for us. A love that will go anywhere and do anything for one. A jealous love that is, is ferocious in nature, that hates the things that bind us up and hold us back from him. He's poured out the message of the brush fire that as we're pursuing him individually and corporately together, our hearts begin to burn because we're close to him and we're close to his heart that's a burning, consuming fire and we start to look like him and reflect him and then the people that are close to us in our lives see that and they start to burn Again, it's all grace. <laughs> that fire that burns. About two years ago, Ed Ainsworth was here, not knowing about the word about brush fire, and shared that video of, of that kind of hippie kid dancing on the side of the mountain by himself. And then, like, another person joined him, so now all, he wasn't such a lunatic anymore. Now there's a couple lunatics and a couple more. But then, like a minute or two later, droves of people are rushing and running to join in this dance. And now all of a sudden you have a thousand people on the side of this mountain dancing. That's, that's the fire. The latest word... And there's been others, but this, this is, I think, one of the other major things he's poured out. Is the releasing the, of the younger generation and the honoring of the older generation. I'm 36. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of in this gap where I don't really fit with the, with the younger generation here. And I, I'm not exactly in the older generation. And it's, it's really cool because I kind of get to be in both worlds. And so I just, we know this verse, and I just want to share it because I think it's so, it's true. Luke 1, 17, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, speaking of Jesus, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And here's the key, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Jesus wants us to be prepared. We are his bride. We are righteous because of his blood, because he clothes us in righteousness. That's part of our identity. But the, the, our flesh still, still clings and tries to surface and he wants to work that out. That's what the fire is about. Pulling those impurities out. Pulling the flesh out. That we would die to it every day. So if I, want, I want to speak to the younger generation for a second. 
We need the wisdom of the righteous, guys. Don't wait till you're in your 30s to, to realize, or late 20s to realize, wow, I'm missing out on a whole lot of wisdom. And I've just been a rebellious fool. Take it for someone that's walked that and done that and wasted a lot of time. Don't do that. Teenagers, now, even though you think you don't see it, hear the wisdom of your parents. They will keep you from so much harm and so much pain and so many mistakes. Hear them, please. An older generation. Don't hold back. Open doors for your kids. Open doors for those 20-year-olds that think they know everything. They're going to make a bunch of mistakes. It's just the way life is. You still make mistakes. Open doors. Encourage them. And when they make a mess, help them clean it up. Because we're family. Because they are our future. But they can't go on without your wisdom. You've walked with the Lord longer than they've been alive. They need you. Even though they say they don't or think they don't. They need you. Desperately. Desperately. Finally, I want to just share something that God's done in my life that he's been pouring out in my life the past year, year and a half. And it's this journey about the inside of the cup. This started back when Pastor Tom and I went to Uganda. And the Lord was just really direct and very confrontational with me. about performance and starting to strive again. Many of you have heard the message I did last year about striving and performing and how God broke that in my life some five, six years ago. But here I am kind of back going the same direction again, starting to strive, starting to perform. And God's like, I want your heart. I want you, little buddy. We're going to do amazing things together. I know you love adventure. I made you that way. But you're not going to save the world. I already sent my son to do that. I want you. And so this this journey began of, of not wanting to be like the Pharisees and not wanting to be whitewashed but inside dead and empty and trying to do all this stuff on the outside but inside I'm just I just know that I'm empty even though everyone oh you're awesome and this that so every Tuesday morning prayer meeting God come with fire come and purify me come and purify this team and after about Six months of that, every Tuesday, everyone's, okay, Joe, okay. 
We get it. Chill. But you see, I, I, I don't want to stay where I was. And I don't want to stay where I am today. I want to know him more. More than I do right now. I know I know him more than I did last year. And the year before that. But I, I still don't, the more I know him, the more I know, I don't know him. And so, so this went on for about a year until this summer, I started, I started to, to, okay, God, I, I want to understand your authority. We've, we've had several cases of uh, young people and young adults that have come in that uh, they're, they're always directed to me, and they have either mental health or demonic issues, and, and kind of both end. They kind of play with each other. And I would meet, and we would talk, and I would visit at the hospital, and different things, and there would be some amounts of freedom or momentary relief. But they weren't getting free. They weren't getting delivered. And I was getting frustrated. I'm just like, God, I do not want to be the disciple that keeps coming back to you and saying, we couldn't do it. I understood and understand it's not in my strength or my ability to pray right or to believe right or all those things. It's not my power. But, but there's something in the story with the disciples coming back to Jesus that, that couldn't deliver the demonic, uh, the demon-possessed child. And then the Intimacy with God conference and, and Pastor Tom Alexander was talking about authority. I was like, oh, great. And so that is just inflamed in my heart and I'm driving to West Bend and I had some time alone with the Lord in the car, which is one of my favorite places besides the shower to, to hang out with the Lord. And I'm just driving and I'm like, in my mind, I know authority is attached to trust because you give someone authority that you trust. So I'm like, Lord, do you trust me? And just like that, this answer shoots back. I trust you way more than you trust me. I was like, come again? Wait, what? You trust me more than I trust you? That hurts because I'm, I'm your son. I'm your intimate, passionate, wild lover of you. No, I trust you more than you trust me. And this flood of implications and this, this flood of, of uh, revelation and understanding that the place of powerlessness was because I really wasn't trusting him. And from that, I just kind of went on and, and was okay. 
you've given me this, Lord, and I didn't know exactly how to apply it. And, I, and, and so I'm still in that journey. And then Jennifer Drum gives her message two weeks ago about the fire. You see, it's, it's in the fire where we're being purified and all those things are surfacing that we can either harden our hearts or, or, or fumble or we can just fling wide and embrace what he's saying and doing, trusting that he is the master potter. He wants to purify us from the inside out. Whatever, whatever it is, for me, it was clearly trust and it's still being a process of trusting him in a moment of, of demonic activity or in a moment of praying for someone for healing. And, and thinking, I have to do it and I have to perform even though up here, no, I know it's you, Lord, but in my heart, I'm, I'm afraid and I'm insecure, and I'm not trusting the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Point two. This is only a portion of what he wants to pour out. I just love that picture of, of, of a father teaching his kids bit by bit, knowing full well that down the road, they're going to be doing greater things. We're, we're teaching you, Talon, how to ride your bike and how, how to cross the road and how to look for cars and traffic because in another 10 years, you're going to be driving a car. He has no clue what that means. Now he's six and a half. It's only a portion and the things he's teaching us, the things that in that fire that are, that are surfacing that we're so ashamed of and we're so surprised by, God's like, buddy, I knew. I know everything. I knew that was in there. And, and it's keeping you from me in deeper ways. And I, I, want, I want you to get rid of that. I want to take that from you. Please let go of it. And, and, and you think it hurts now. Wait till it goes even deeper. It's like layers of an onion. Okay, yeah, we've dealt with some of that stuff on the surface. That's good. Okay, I'm pure now. Uh-uh, buddy. We got to go deep. Oh, it hurts so good. He wants to continue to pour out these things place for his presence where we can come into the fire, our identity, that we become so infatuated with him, knowing who we are, heirs to the throne, kings and queens, priests and priestesses, favored sons and daughters. And he wants us to release the younger people and help them get there. And he wants the younger people to honor and respect those that have gone before and he's going to do it from the inside out. This is the purifying process. 
This is how we become like Jesus. He pours out so that we can become like him, so that we can be satisfied in him. And, and we say often, glory to glory, we are transformed from glory to glory, which is absolutely true. That's Bible. But part of that, the context of that, and the application of that, is death to death. Yeah, we are going glory to glory, becoming more and more like Jesus. And how we get there is die, 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 die. From death to death, layer upon layer upon layer coming off. He's the master potter. He knows what he's doing. He's the consuming fire. I was just in Colombia with, with uh, Sam Drum, with Jennifer's wife, or husband. And uh, it was an amazing trip. Part of, part of this journey, um, the past year, year and a half of, of pursuing God for authority and trusting him and, and um, wanting to be, be pure from the inside out, I just felt like he's been speaking to me. I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you out. And I've been processing this with, with Tom and Greg and others. And when Pastor Tom couldn't, couldn't go to Columbia, he suggested other people to go. And Sam goes, no, I want to take Joe. The amazing thing about that was I had just sent this huge email pouring my heart out. Pastor Tom, I just, I just, again, I'm so sorry I'm bringing this to you again. I just feel like the Lord wants to send me out on mission trips, and I don't, ah, nah. this whole email, and I come down to use the restroom, and he's walking by his office. Hey, hey, buddy, come in. I want to talk to you. I'm like, how did he read that whole thing already? And, and now I'm, I'm going to get a talking to, and like, and we sit down, and he's like, hey, would you want to go to Columbia with, with Sam? And my eyes were just like, what? And I was like, I just sent you an email with my heart burning to, to be sent out, that this is what God's saying. And he's like, yeah, this is a kiss from the Lord for you. So this was an amazing breadcrumb and an amazing, beautiful thing. And then we go on the trip. And so it's going to be this awesome thing. Oh, God is leading me in this, into destiny. And this is going to be phenomenal. The entire trip was, you are prideful and arrogant. The entire trip. You think you're better than you are. You think you're here, but you're here. Oh, my gosh. For a week and a half. 24-7. Spot on. What kind of destiny is this? He wants to pour out. And it's just a little bit. Uh, he's, the Lord's teaching me to cross the road. He's teaching me to look for cars and get on this bicycle. How many of you guys remember Jody Bunn's word about Jeremiah? You have run with men on foot and you're tired, how are you going to run with horses? 
Wow, was that an arrow to the heart. Little buddy, you are complaining about all sorts of stuff in your heart. And you're just, you're just doing stuff at this level. You're just on your little bicycle. How, how on earth are you going to run with horses? How on earth are you going to come with me and do these other things with me if you're already tired and complaining? Grow up. He wants to pour out because, because he has things for us to do with him. This is only a portion of what he wants to pour out. He wants to pour out revival fire. He wants to win cities. He wants to win nations. He wants to win one lost heart. And revival fire doesn't start out there. Revival starts with you and me. Those of us sitting here every week that love the Lord. I'm not saying we're complacent. But there's a city going to hell out there. And I'm not saying we need to, to run out to the roads and just start shouting. But that might not hurt. He wants to pour out in such a way that the gospel message, our lives are followed and confirmed by signs and wonders. We are not chasing a prophetic word. We are not chasing healing here at City Church. We are pursuing love and earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. The mark of a true believer is as he runs with the Lord and she runs with the Lord, his miracles follow, signs and wonders follow. It's this holy wake of beauty and healing and reformation, destroying darkness, bringing light. It's a wake behind us. We don't need and should not seek these things out. They will follow us if we seek the one thing that matters, and that's Jesus. He's our prize. What is holding us back? We need to just toss that thing off and run our race. And you say, Joe, well, it's hard. Yeah, I know. That's why it's grace. We can't just toss it off ourselves. It's, it's counterintuitive. If we really understand it's all about grace, and our sin is just fruit of bad roots that need to be broken off, it will change how we approach the Lord because we don't come to a mountain of fear and trembling anymore. We come to the city of Zion where there's myriads of angels. There's the Lord. There's the hosts of the spirits of of, of men made righteous. And he's testing us. He wants to know what we're going to do because he wants to pour out so much more. So what are we going to do with what he's poured out? We have to apply it to our own lives. Philippians 2.13, we know it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Here is the passion translation that I came across. I just love this. Philippians 
Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God. This is the work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is the, the Passion Translation. Make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. It's like, make it come alive, make it real, make it tangible. Do whatever it takes to make it be seen and, and reflecting God's beauty with awe and wonder. Oh my goodness, you are the sovereign God that is all powerful all-knowing, so tender and gentle, so mighty. Wow. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. What pleases him? Loving him and loving each other. It says the world will know we're Christians by our love for each other. I know how I'm doing in that. Okay. It's not phenomenal. all by his grace. We can't do it on our own. This morning, I was just doing some reading and I came across this. I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. This is a large house. There's a lot of us here. This is a big house. There are many articles, not, on, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. It says we can be used for special purposes if we cleanse ourselves from the wooden clay. If we cleanse ourselves from the things holding us back, the sin, the backbiting, the fighting, the lying, whatever it is, whatever your sin is. If, if Lord, take this from us, take this from me. He will use us for special purposes. I, I, that just really excites me. What are we going to do with what he's poured out? We need to apply it to our lives. We need to continue to contend for more. He wants us to pursue him and ask him for more of himself. We know this. We know this. We're pursuing him for his own sake. That we would become so madly in love again and again and deeper and deeper. That we would come to know the length, height, width, depth of his love. I want to come to know that more and more. And finally, what are we going to do with what he's poured out? Is living 
from a place of overflow. This is my favorite verse in the whole, whole scripture. And for those of you that I've prayed for, you've probably got this verse prayed over you because it's my favorite verse to minister out of. And it's just my favorite verse, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy as you trust in him. That you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know God is, is hope. We have no other hope than him. And as we're trusting in him, he's just filling us with peace and joy. He's filling us with peace and joy. So that we would overflow to others by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we overflow what? Hope. How many of you know what it's like to be hopeless? I know what it's like to be hopeless. But I have hope now. We have hope now. That is what this world is looking for is hope. And we have that answer. And we can't ram it down their throat. We know that doesn't work. But we can't hide in this building either and expect them just to all come in. God wants us to overflow. I, I, did, I did a little quick Google search or whatnot. Over 150,000 people die every day. And there's a statistic that it's like 10% of people are, are like true believers and Christians. So out of 150,000 people that die every day, maybe 15,000, maybe more, maybe less, know the saving grace of Jesus Christ and have eternal life. 135,000 are dying and going into eternity, going to hell. That just overwhelms me. We have the answer. And it, it just takes one look. Our eyes are the windows to our soul. And if we're filled with his peace and joy, and that is what's coming out, that hope, it doesn't take a great uh, apologetics argument to love somebody. We know that. Apologetics has its place. That's why I'm in CLC. That's why I study the word. But that doesn't reveal the love of God like the window to our souls. When they're looking in our eyes, are they seeing the love of Jesus? Are they seeing the spirit of God oozing out of us and overflowing out of us? I know for me, most of the time, no, probably not. And that is not, I, that's not a heavy yoke for me. That is a fire that, that sends me to, into his presence, desiring more grace, desiring him to fill me up more. Because the people in the steam room and the sauna at the Princeton Club are miserable complaining about politics, complaining about life, complaining about their marriages, complaining, complaining, hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. And I've had many conversations, but none of them have come to Christ yet. I want testimonies of people coming to know Jesus just because I'm sitting there listening and telling them Jesus loves them. 
I need to stop being a coward. He pours out so that we will go out. Uh, Worship team, you guys can come back up. Sorry for the delayed notice. He's poured out so we could go out. Just in the past year, my wife and I, actually, we've, we've actually have relationships with several of our neighbors. This is something we, we really desired and prayed for because the previous home we were at for six years, we barely knew any of our neighbors. And we're like, what kind of... What kind of missionaries are we? What kind of Christians are we? We don't even know our neighbors. This is not good. So we prayed and we prayed. The two neighbors directly behind us have kids that are our kids' age. And we're out in the driveways just talking. And they need the Lord. One family's right at the door but is afraid, afraid of being let down again. Has no energy to, to pursue anything that's not going to actually be fulfilling and, and not satisfy. She's, she's spent. And the other couple is, is angry and hurt. We all have people like this in our lives. We all have people that are have no energy and are just so spent and trying, that are genuinely seeking and trying, but have no energy, that have have drank from the wrong well over and over. It's like the woman coming to the well. And then we all know those that are just been burnt and are mad and hurt and in self-protection and angry at God. That was me. I hated him. He wants to pour out on us individually and as a body so that we would begin to look like Jesus, that we would begin to do the acts of righteousness that is true love, that looks like laying our lives down, that is willing to lay our life down for someone. This year, I don't want to hold back I am so grateful for everything he's poured out and identity and just all the different stuff. Wanting to purify and that he wants to do that more. But the purpose for doing that is so much greater than than our own well-being. He pours out for us to pour out on others. I am with, I, this message is to me. You guys just get to hear it. This, is, this message is to me. God's not calling all of us to be evangelists and run around doing that. He's calling us to love him and love our neighbor. And we can all do that with the giftings he's given us. with the grace he's given us. He's given us each grace to love the difficult person in our life, the difficult neighbor, the difficult family person, the difficult coworker.
because 135,000 people a day are going to hell. And we're a team. Thomas said this, Pastor Thomas said this over and over. You guys, you guys can reach the masses. We can't. We can speak to you guys and we can, and the, you know, my life is here and at the Princeton Club and home. There's only so many people I run across and like the grocery store. You guys can touch so many more. You're in. I want to, I want to, what time is it? Do I have time? Yes, I have one more story I want to share. At Christmas, my father-in-law was so excited, he was telling me this story. He works at Badger Graphics, and, and he works on printing presses, and, and uh, there's a young woman there that works there, just having a real rough life, real rough time. And I think he said she's, she's newer to the company. And he, he's a dad, you know. He's just like, oh, you know, how's it going? What's wrong? And he listened. And he encouraged her and said some things. And, and then he, he starts walking away. And the Lord stopped him and said, pray for her. Go and pray for her. And he, in his mind, for a split second, he's like, well, I'm, these are non-Christian workplace, and these are non-Christians, and, I, you know, maybe they'll get mad or, or whatnot. And, he's, and, then he, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to him again and says, what if you were the only person that will ever show her God's love? What if, what if you're the last opportunity? And so he goes back and prays for her and tears and just a beautiful moment. He's planting seeds. God's planting seeds. My father-in-law's not an evangelist. He's like you guys. He's, he works and loves the Lord. want to wait a moment to see how we should close. First, I, I just want to create space. If anyone is here that doesn't know the Lord, that is hopeless, that has no energy for anything else, that, that needs the truth and nothing else, or so hurt and so angry, and you just happen to find yourself here today. If your heart is just, if there's this knocking on your chest, if, there, if you're, you know, if there's just something, your heart is beating, and you need to know this Jesus, truly know Jesus, he is available and he desires you. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I, I'd like to, to say a prayer for you and over you. Okay. Can we all stand?
if you if you are just wanting God to pour out more, more of what he's done these past several years and teach you how how to pass the test. It's like cheating. He, he shows us how to pass the test. He gives us all the answers and walks with us through the test. So you don't have to be a, a, a wizard taking tests. You just have to know him. If that's you, just, just open your arms. I, I want to pray. God, we want to pass this test. We want you to pour out more. We want to become more like you. We want to see you pour out revival fire on this city, not city church, on this city, on the people that are lost and hurting. Pour out your fire that we would become bold and courageous and compassionate and tender and unoffendable. That we would just walk with you and trust you, you Holy Spirit, you powerful Holy Spirit, to do your mighty work, drawing the lost, drawing the lost. Pour out, Father. Pour out. We need you and desire you. The lost need you. Lord, pour out that we would go out. Pour out that we would know our identity, that we would be so confident in your love because you have first loved us so much. When we hated you, when we were your enemies, you loved us and you came after us. God, use us. Use us, Lord, for special purposes. Purify us that you would use each and every one of us for special purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great morning.